Welcome back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, mate, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at FansWorking. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram where you can keep up with us at WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms, including Anchor.fm. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. Hey, it's Jason Agnew from Sunday Night's Main Event, and you are listening to the Working Fans Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome to the Working Fans Podcast. This is Dave with AJ, and we have the uh, Emmy Award-winning Jason Agnew on the line. Jason, how you doing? Oh, man, that is, you know, you're starting up real high there. I like to keep expectations low. <laughs> so let, why didn't you just say, like, wrestling radio show host? That's what we should go with for this, because, yes, there was an Emmy way back in my past, but please don't start there. Okay, okay, okay. I just was curious if you had a little background on the story, because we looked it up and we thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> so Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, along with uh, any fans listening to this might know me as the host of Live Audio Wrestling uh, uh, oh, for many yeah. years, and now I'm doing Sunday Night's Main Event, similar shows, Sunday night, etc. But my main job uh, for years was uh, was running a TV station. I was an executive producer of a TV station here in Canada called Bite Television. And in 2007, somehow, someway, we won an international Emmy for Best Interactive Channel. And that was when, th- when interactive channels were quite the novelty. So yes, there there is one of those in my history. That's a nice little thing on my resume, which apparently, yes, found. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that we were going to ask you about live audio wrestling, too, and I follow Sunday night's main event every week, actually. Big fan. That's how I started looking you up. And I was just curious. There seems to be like, how was that transition? I don't know the whole story because when I started listening to podcasts, you were just starting on Sunday night's main event and the law was disabandoned. I, I think that has something to do with the anthem thing. I could be wrong, though, so I'm just yeah. asking you. Okay. No, you're up. You're absolutely right. It does have to do with the Anthem thing. So, you know, if you go back, Anthem, of course, for those who don't know, is now the company that owns Impact Wrestling. And previous to that, in 2005, some, it wasn't Anthem at the time, but a group called the Fight Network came into play here in Canada, and they were starting up you know, a digital television station called the Fight Network. They purchased live audio wrestling away from its old owners in order to use it basically to, as a way of promoting their television channel because live audio wrestling the law had a huge following i mean it was one of the first out there along with wrestling observer and we actually have dave on our show each and every week so it was like we were kind of the two first that were doing not only radio shows but podcasting as well i'm talking way back if you guys remember real audio like that's when we first started running on in like 99 so anyhow the fight never comes in they buy it they use it as a promotional tool years later anthem purchases 
the fight network and therefore purchases the law. And it was weird at that time because, you know, they own Impact Wrestling and we're a show that is non-biased. I mean, we talk shit about Impact Wrestling all the time is what I'm trying to say. Right. It's hard not to, right? So we knew down the line that there would be a conflict. And what ended up happening is Anthem decided to put all their resources into the money pit known as Impact Wrestling <laughs> and decided to, you know, remove their radio division. And that was us, uh, myself, Dan Lebransky, John Pollock, waiting. All of us in one fell swoop were booted uh, one day at the end of October in 2017. And since then, John and Ray, of course, have gone on to do post-wrestling. And myself, Dan Lebransky, do Sunday Night's Main Event on TSN Radio. At least we got to keep uh, uh, an affiliation with TSN Radio. We were very happy to see that you were able to go on to Sunday night's main event because we were law fans. To me, what you were able to do on there, you combined not just talking wrestling, but you also talked MMA and you gave us an honest point of view. There's so many of these shows that just don't keep it real and don't keep it honest with their opinions. And the fact that you were that fresh, thank you very much for continuing on. Now going forward... I pride, my, I pride myself at uh, being a bit of a dick. So <laughs> I can live on here. But you know, let me say this. I pride myself on being a bit of a good dick as opposed to CM Punk right now. I just can't handle anymore. But I'm sure we'll get there at some point. Oh, absolutely. I can't wait to discuss that with you. As Dave knows, I always wrestled as a heel, and the reason why I wrestled as a heel is because, much like Tully Blanchard, I'm just a natural heel. <laughs> I love sarcasm. One of the questions that we have for you, and it's something that we find interesting, what made you want to get into TV? Did you have anything when you were young, especially growing up in Canada, that triggered you and made you want to go in that direction? You know, I was always a big fan of comedy. I love you know, Saturday Night Live since I was, since I can remember essentially, like really influenced by the Mike Myers and Dana Carvey years and Wayne's World. And of all things, I uh, I got into TV. I always wanted to be in radio and television. You know, I started radio and when I was in school, I guess 97 or so, I started with the law in 99. And, and I was doing okay in radio, but I was already going to school for television, so I branched over into TV and started hosting and producing, and it's fun. I mean, you know, I, I, my standard line, and it was something that I heard way back in the day from a guy I worked with at the Fan 590 named Roger Lajois, he said, he had like six different jobs in the industry, and he said, my vocation is my vacation. And I feel that way. Like, I love what I do, and I just want to do more of it. The world of TV is cool. I mean, I love hosting. I love interacting with people on air, and I really do have a great time doing it and for the years at Byte TV I was just able to surround myself with some really great people and create fun stuff I mean I know a lot of it was cheap and cheerful but it was uh, it was definitely fun to make so a little inside joke here our producer Joe had left us a note because he wanted us to ask you a specific question kids in the hall or SCTV and I told him I said listen to me you racist mother is don't you think it's possible that he actually likes Saturday Night Live even though he's from Canada <laughs> so it's so a little inside humor there <laughs> yeah I would take SNL I think it was more influential I mean all those shows are great for different reasons I would say but and, and I mean kids in the hall was really cool because it was just a group of guys that we're putting on a TV show and CBC grabbed them. And since then, there's a couple other TV shows 
right now on here in Canada, like Tall Boys and Baroness Von Sketch, who have kind of taken that same mode and that, t- that same model, which is really cool to see that live on up here in Canada. But yeah, as far as influence goes, it was me staying up late watching SNL. And really, if you want to link this back, one of the weird things, if you think back to the 80s, when I would have started watching SNL, part of the reason why I started catching that show, because I was trying to watch Saturday Night Main Event, but it was only on once a month. All right, that's awesome. Yeah, a quick uh, sidebar question here before we get into the more wrestling. Since you, I know you do a lot of comedy and you do a lot of improv, I was kind of curious, like, in today's culture, it's very PC. Is it is it more difficult, are you finding, to do comedy now? Or is it does it matter? Is that an influence at all? I'm just curious. Yeah, uh, there, there's definitely a change. And, and I really, I don't see it as much with stage stuff as I'm fairly new to doing stage stuff. I'm talking, like, I, I started doing more stage in 2012 after I stopped do, after I stopped working at Byte Television. That parting of ways happened. So, but at, at Byte, I was doing a show called The Conventioneers with my partner, uh, Matt Chit, who has since gone on to do Splat a lot with me as well. And, you know, it was insult culture. Like, we'd go to conventions, Comic Cons, etc., and do insult jokes to people dressed in silly costumes or had, you know, way too much dedication to the products they were trying to sell. And doing that in 2006, seven, eight is very different than doing it in 2019 because we tried to do it again just a couple years ago in a show called Craft. And it was a lot more challenging. Uh, the culture has definitely changed. I actually do stand up comedy now. And when I'm up on stage, I'm an insult comic. And it is hard sometimes to know what lines that you can cross. And you have to be a little fearless when you're up there. And people don't understand in this PC world that we live in now, you never know when people are going to get ultra offended. But if you go up there as a comic and worry about that, you're never going to be funny. Yeah, but here's the thing, AJ. I mean, if you're doing that in a comedy club, those people have signed up and bought a ticket to watch you and potentially be insulted. Exactly. So you have a little bit more leeway in a comedy club than you would uh, when we were out at a convention insulting people that were just there. So, I and I find that same thing when I'm doing improv shows. You know, I, I do improv shows. I do wrestling-centric improv shows as well. And the audience is there to participate in what you're about to do. So there's a lot more leeway. Oh, yeah. What you guys do is fearless. Oh, God. To go out there to people that haven't actually bought the ticket and are literally there for what they just find to be a part of their life and to be able to do that. Uh, I have all the respect in the world for what you guys do. Yeah, it was <laughs> it got really difficult in 2017 when we tried it again. But it's just the way the world is going. So, you know, there's other ways to make people laugh. You just have to work a little bit harder to do it. All right, Jason, so since we got you on, let's, let's get into a little uh, discussion about wrestling. Right now, I think the big hot topic the last couple of months would be the Wednesday Night Wars. So, yeah, what, what's your take? What have you been enjoying about whether it's NXT or AEW? Like, how would you break both promotions down? I, I just I enjoy the whole aspect of it. Yeah. I mean, if you think back to when wrestling was really fun to watch. I mean, I, I'm up here in Canada, right? So when the when the Attitude Era was happening and the Monday Night War was on, we were not actually able to watch 
both of the those shows, Raw and Nitro, at the same time because TSN would broadcast Raw at nine and then Nitro at midnight. So we'd have to wait and like get your tape ready. And there was also no real social media back then. So this is like an advanced world now with social media going back and forth at one another. These two things running at the same time, though we're in Canada and I still can't watch both at the same time because TSN is only uh, running AEW. But I love the back and forth. I love the fact that this competition, it's refreshing and it only makes the marketplace better. I've been saying that for near 20 years now. And along with that, a fresh product is very interesting to watch. You know, basically you have a clean slate in AEW and they're able to hold to the things that they feel strongly about. They're trying this win-loss thing. Their belts are have so much prestige attached to them right now. Nothing's been tarnished. Nothing's been ruined there at the moment. Well, I mean, aside maybe from that hardcore match a couple weeks ago. <laughs> but I just really enjoy uh, the entire product. Cody is someone that if you look back, it's someone that I would never would have expected to do what he's done. And he is one of the most important individuals in professional wrestling right now. Chris Jericho is incredible. I call him and I've always referred to him as the Madonna of professional wrestling. And I say that because if you followed Madonna's career, she had an incredible ability to reinvent herself with a new look and a new sound over and over and over again. And that's what Chris Jericho is able to do. And he's done it once again. I don't care if this guy is almost 50. He's the best heel in the business right now. And it's fascinating to watch what they're doing on AEW. And then if you look slightly under that, oh my God, MJF is there and just chomping at the bit, yeah. you know, to move up on the card. And it's such a delight to watch and listen to every week. So it's such a fresh product. On the WWE side, on NXT, well, I kind of think, see, I was a guy who was, of course, following NXT when it first started in its current incarnation. And I was doing a weekly podcast about it that was a part of the Law family. And I actually think that since NXT has gone on to USA, and even a little bit before that, the product is not as cool and not as it doesn't have that much of a cult following like it used to have, so it does seem a little less special to me. There's a little bit more importance on it now, but I think WWE has a lot of work to do uh, with NXT. And they can't win this war, in my opinion. They can't win because NXT is not a fresh product. It mm. still has the WWE label on it, whereas AEW, it's fresh, it's new, it's exciting. Yeah, I was actually saying to AJ one time, I almost feel like if NXT didn't have WWE attached to it, if they were just a separate entity, but booked the way they are, they would be better off. I almost feel like having the WWE name when you're going up against AEW hurts them. Yeah, because you're not an adversary. You're just part of the machine. Right, right. I do I do have to say, out of the two of them, and I know AEW's just beginning, I always try to say this. Like, I'm I'm definitely enjoying the, the characters more in AEW. I'm loving um, yeah. the angles more. But I do feel, and I always, it's just beginning. Like I, one thing NXT has been doing well for me personally is the women's division. Like every week they've managed to have oh, one, yeah. or two, one or two women matches, and they have a little profile. And it's one thing I'm like, okay, I, I'm glad they got this right now because this is keeping me like interested. Where I want to make sure I watch both every week. Shayna Baszler is the most protected champion in WWE. I completely agree with you that the NXT women's division is far. It's the best women's division out. No way. I mean, I love Tessa. 
an impact, but she seems to be fighting with the men now. Mm. So I will say, so yes, NXT is the best women's division uh, in wrestling right now. And I would say the exact polar opposite, AEW is the worst women's division mm. in wrestling right now. I have not bought into Rio. Mm. I don't enjoy her. A lot of people do. I don't. So, and, and I don't care, really care for Nyla Rose. I don't care for Britt Baker at all. So, I mean, and I don't like what Brandy is doing on the heel side of things. I don't think it's a proper place for her because she's linked to Cody. I love Kong, but Kong, I don't think, needs Brandy beside her. So, it's like there, I've knocked down four of their main pillars of the division. We don't have to even get into Allie. So, I mean, there's nothing there for me in the AEW women's division. So, I agree with you. NXT women is fantastic, especially juxtaposed to the AEW women's division. Jason, you've done a great job of saying basically everything that I've told these guys for the last couple of weeks. I agree with He's you whole grinning ear to ear after everything I, you said. I, I'm literally smiling like a kid in a candy shop. You mentioned Tessa Blanchard. I think Tessa Blanchard is the future of women's wrestling, and not just women's wrestling, but wrestling in general. The fact that she is going to have an opportunity with Impact to go for, to be the first woman to go for their version of a world title, to me is absolutely incredible and opens up doors for women everywhere. Yeah, I don't, listen, here, here's the thing. I love Tessa, and I actually forgot her gender when she was in that six-man person, I guess, ladder match at the last Impact pay-per-view because she was the best person in the ring not only in that match, but she was the best person in the ring all night long. Mm. The thing is, I mean, you still, if you look back to Lucha Underground, like, Lucha Underground was highly criticized for having men and women, you know, the intergender matches, and Impact is really still running under the radar despite what they have going on with Access Wrestling right now. So I'm not sure it's the right move. I mean, I prefer for Tessa to be queen of the women's division there and be very protected as opposed to, you know, probably end up doing some weird hardcore match with Sandy Callahan. But I love her. I think she's tremendous. Uh, I think she's the best female wrestler right now, uh, period. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying there. I think the thing with Impact is they're just trying something to gain attention here. Yeah, I, I think Tess is a standout star as it is, and personally, I prefer that she was just focused more on the women's division because at the end of the day, it's not like it's you know it's Impact. It is what it is. It's like they can improve as much as they want. Tessa winning the world title on Impact isn't like she won the world title on AEW or WWE or NXT even. But she, but to Jason's point, one of the things that she does that's amazing is that she really does do what you said at the last pay-per-view. She makes you forget that there's a woman in the match, which is not something that any other woman really has been able to do. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if any other woman has been given that opportunity to do that as well. I mean, there's intergender matches on the indie scene, but as far as mainstream goes, as mainstream as you can consider Impact Wrestling, Tessa is the one that's been given that opportunity, and she hasn't dropped the ball at all. Like, she is so fast and so crisp in the ring that she doesn't miss a step with anyone else in there. While we're talking wrestling here for a little bit longer, uh, one other thing I wanted to hit you with. I was listening to your podcast this week, and uh, you had a very uh, interesting hot take on CM Punk. Doesn't seem like you're a fan of him these days. Can't say I blame you, but I'd like you to kind of elaborate and give us your thought on that for our listeners who may not know. I think part of it is because I was such a fan of CM Punk. And in CM Punk showing up this past week on what WWE backstage uh, and making his debut, re-debut there, and 
you know, I know people are saying, oh, it's Fox, it's not WWE, but let's be honest, he was all over Raw last night as far as them promoting him. So he's clearly back in the company. But I went and I watched the infamous Pipe Bomb promo again because I was trying to figure out why I didn't like CM Punk coming back to WWE. Like, why this rubs me the wrong way so badly. Wrestlers go from place to place and it's kind of like some are cool, some are like, oh, the organization is grasping at straws to bring this person in. Oh, I don't like this, I do like this. But this one in particular just got under my skin and just made me kind of feel gross. And I was trying to figure out why. So I went back and I watched the pipe bomb promo that everybody remembers. And what I realized is at that time, CM Punk doing that was not just CM Punk speaking or Phil Brooks speaking for CM Punk. It was Phil Brooks speaking for CM Punk, who was speaking for every wrestling fan that was watching, that was tired of the WWE product. And he represented the fans. And then he left WWE and it was all bad. And, you know, he did the podcast with Colt and it was just like, you know what, this guy's fed up. And I would be too. He's representing the, the culture of the WWE fan that is pissed at WWE because they're not getting what they want. And now, fast forward, uh, with all the talk of CM Punk, who I've, I've talked so much on the show about game changers and who AEW could have or who another wrestling organization could have as a game changer. You know, like when Jericho went to WWE or when more so, I mean, even bigger than that, when Hogan went to WCW, like that's a game changing move. So who in the wrestling community is still out there? And to me, the answer was always CM Punk because he was so popular. He broke into the mainstream, uh, in re or at least the geek mainstream, and doing stuff like Talking Dead. So I was, I was always thinking, like, if CM Punk and AEW can work together, my goodness, this is so big, and it's a big fu to WWE, and that's what he's all about. He's counterculture. He's got punk in his gimmick name, like he's punk rock. So then he shows up on WWE backstage, and I was just like, oh man, you did what every single other wrestler did. You gave in to Vince, you went back, you're just another Bret Hart, Jesse Ventura, Bruno San Martino. It's never say never all over again. You don't represent the fans. You don't care for your friends, considering what happened with Colt and that debacle. I don't know all the details, but I've always seen CM Punk when in interviews off, you know, um, out of WWE character being very difficult. He just seems like a difficult guy. And now he goes back and he's just like everybody else. And I just, I just thought he was gonna be different. So it really rubbed me the wrong way. And then I kept thinking, I'm like, look at what Punk the angry guy who does a podcast does versus the other podcast that was a real kind of um, eye-opener for wrestling fans was Ambrose uh, Moxley now. And look at what Moxley's doing. He's paired with guys like Cody and Jericho who are actually, this is going to sound really weird because it's beyond the wrestling spectrum, but they're trying to make a difference in the wrestling world. They're actually trying to make things better for fans and punk went the exact opposite way. He's only trying to be make things better for himself. He only cares about himself. And it really rubs me the wrong way. And I rarely get emotionally invested that much in wrestling anymore. 
but this one went outside the walls of wrestling to just think of this mentality, and it really rubbed me the wrong way. So there's, long story short, there's my answer. <laughs> yeah, no, that was great, man. Actually, quick sidebar, I was going to ask you something else, but when you said Moxley, you triggered something to me, and I wanted to ask you, Moxley, that interview he uh, gave with Jericho, he was very forthcoming, and he complained about a lot of stuff that he didn't like in WWE, but he also made sure to say that he appreciated everything they had done for him, took the real high road. So that brings me to Seth Rollins, everybody's favorite guy on Twitter these days. <laughs> yeah, Mr. High Road. <laughs> Why do you suppose, like, I mean, I've heard Roman been asked about AEW, and he doesn't take these shots. Why do you think that is with Seth? I, I haven't quite figured that out. Like, do you think this is just him trying to gain heat on his character? Is this just a personal? thing or he's just not very good at answering these types of questions i'm just confused at the whole thing oh man you're not the only one confused i think everyone is confused i mean this guy is just so unlikable mm. just everything he does in social media and everything he does on camera is not believable and it's just unlikable like Ever, I don't. I don't know if there was anyone who needed a like a PR person, person or an image consultant. It's Seth Rollins. Yeah. This guy's. I'm just. I mean, I'm tired of it. If you think about it, guys, you know, for all those years, uh, Roman Reigns was criticized being on top because he was Vince McMahon's guy and he was the one that was pushed and you know suffering succotash hmm. that line, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, now if you think about it, I mean, from the I'm going scene hunting on over. Seth Rollins is the new Roman Reigns. He is the guy that WWE is forcing down the fans' throat, and they are outright rejecting. Yeah. Well, the funny thing about to me about Seth Rollins is he's never come across as likable. Uh, he, he's another person who just comes across as selfish and just, this is the WWE machine. When Moxley came out, he was offered the big contract, had the ability to stay, and he went truly with what he believed in and said, you know what, I'm going to go with AEW because it's the right thing to do and I'm a hypocrite otherwise. To me, Rollins coming from being Tyler Black and coming from the indies to all of a sudden be shitting on these other organizations and other wrestlers is just incredibly hypocritical. I mean, what's he going to say, right? I mean, the, yeah. the, the, the choice is, to me, the choice that I'd make in that situation is probably to just stay quiet. And I right. think you saw yeah. a lot of Roman Reigns staying quiet when he was in that position. But Seth is deciding to speak in and out of character, and neither one of them is working real well. I kind of think he's in a, a no-win situation unless he just shuts his mouth. All right, so originally, like, if Joe had that uh, question for us that we already buried, Kids of the Hall or SCTV. <laughs> So I was kind of thinking, like, I want to play that a little bit with just since you have a background in comedy and wrestling. Yeah. Preference, WWE or WCW? Uh, I grew up with WWE, so I have to say WWE. you got to remember, so I was in Toronto growing up, and we didn't really have much access to the WCW product up here mm -hmm. until TSN started airing it. So I'm a WWE kid, and that's going to be my preference. Okay. Actually, rather than just like throw a random, because I don't know who you were really into at this time in wrestling, but like a uh, favorite, uh, you have like a favorite announcer of all time? Not currently, but maybe, or maybe currently and all time, because for me, like, Currently, I really like Morrow. I know he's a bit, you know, he's not everybody's cup of tea. Some people love him, some people hate him. I like him. But Jim Ross isn't my favorite now, but he is my favorite of all time. Like, when I go back, like, I grew up on Jim Ross. Yeah, okay. So, my favorite of all time, this might be a little obscure, but it is a catchphrase that I use at, at the end of every show. Not only every show, but every TV show I do as well. Uh, when I host, I use the phrase, don't you dare miss it. Right. And that is an ode to a guy up here 
uh, in Canada who was a, a backstage reporter named Billy Red Lions. Uh, and he was uh, always one of my favorites. He was just this older guy who would hold the microphone and just be there and be in the right place for the behind the scenes interview. So I'm gonna go with Billy Red as your maybe not a not a play-by-play guy because he didn't do play-by-play but like wrestling announcer persona and then modern day i have been so incredibly impressed by excalibur it is beyond belief this guy is incredible Mm -hmm. so he is my number one and i'm going to give a weird honorable mention to tom phillips because i think he's getting the short end of the stick in wwe (laughs) right now and i think he should be sitting in the raw chair you know, I want to touch on something you had said, or maybe it might, actually it might not have been you. Actually, it might have been the other guys down uh, post. Somebody made this uh, comparison. Well, you can you can tell me if you agree or not. You know, we talk about how the three man booth in WWE kind of sucks, but in AEW, when it's Tony, Jim, and Excalibur, I actually think it works a little better than say just Jim and Excalibur. I almost feel like they complement each other a little bit better having a three man booth in that situation. You might not agree. I'm just curious what you think, though. Well. What if it was Tony and Excalibur? <laughs> that might that might even work even better. <laughs> I, okay. I, I got a little I heat. Think there's one issue on that broadcast team, and it's not Tony and it's not Excalibur. Jim's gotten better, but he's he's a he's a shell of, of what he used to be. I, I agree. I agree. I am the biggest Jim fan. AJ's gonna like I got a throw little, me under the bus. I here. got a little heat last week because I said the same thing. I said I, we all love Jim Ross. Not a single one of us don't love what Jim Ross has brought to the business, but it's passed him by, and he's not keeping up with it the same way he is. When he gets to the main event match, he does good with the three-man booth, but when it's that middle-of-the-road wrestling and the luchadors and the new tag style and stuff that he doesn't understand, he pretty much just throws it in the garbage can. Yeah, uh, you know, I've crapped on JR a bit too much. He, listen, he's a legend. Obviously, Cody is pulling people that he knows are very valuable from days of wrestling gone by and I think that I think perhaps JR may look a little bit worse just because of how great Tony Schiavone's been and it's just because a lot of us may remember Tony Schiavone from when WCW was falling apart and therefore you know don't think of him in the most positive manner but my goodness that guy is great yeah, he's really stepped up. I remember Tony obviously growing up with the Crockett's and NWA where he was pretty good and he stood out to me. But yeah, the end of Nitro era, Tony Schiavone really phoned it in. And, you know, I, I enjoyed him on the podcast, but boy, yeah, now that he's back announcing, you can tell he's really working hard and he's put, found his, his homework. Pa- he's yeah. found his passion again. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's yeah, his healthy I, living, too. I think JR has, has found some of that, but, you know, he's also, he's older, and, and he's, JR has had a tough go, you know, with all the Bell's palsy and yeah. losing his wife and WWE shitting on him over and over again. Like, I feel bad for the guy, and sometimes he does come across a little bit like cranky old man. I did hear Savani say one time on one of the podcasts that I guess they just find it kind of found it amusing. Like he gets a little fired up, like when um, certain things he doesn't find make sense. Like if they're not using the tag rope, and like you know they're just right. right. And I guess one time Shivani was asking, he didn't know if they picked it up because of the seven second delay, but Jr. was just like 
God damn. And I guess Excalibur and Tony had to like hold it in because they started laughing at him. And I just thought, oh, that's got to be interesting chemistry on <laughs> that set sometimes. As far as Jim's getting angry in wrestling, he'll always be number two as far as Jim's go. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to ask Barnett you. is always number one. Oh, we know. We know. Yeah. That, that's actually where I was going to go next with this now that you mentioned that. What do you think of what Jim Cornette is doing now? I know that uh, Matt Coon came out last week and basically said Jim Cornette doesn't belong in wrestling anymore. And I know that they've had a little bit of a feud. But what is your stance on the current state of Jim Cornette? Oh, don't you think he's really nicely positioned where he is in NWA power? I think it's perfect. <laughs> I, I agree 100%. I think that it's where he belongs. It's basically brought him back to 1987. And I think that, it, I, I think that if we leave him there in 1987, that, that we're all a little bit better off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, uh, Jim is someone who, who loves old school wrestling and thinks it should still be old school wrestling. And we all have what we grew up with and, and what we loved about the industry and wanted to be that. But, you know, the industry evolves. Everything evolves. We started this conversation talking about how society and comedy has evolved. Well, wrestling's no different. Yeah, my grandfather still thinks Bruno San Martino is the best wrestler he ever saw. <laughs> so, <laughs> sometimes... Well, San Martino is the best wrestler ever for your grandpa. Of course he is. <laughs> A couple other quick questions before we finish this up here. You guys do talk about MMA sometimes. How big of a passion do you have for MMA as well, Jason? Uh, because it's obviously something... Man, it's, it's dropped so much. Yeah, okay, uh, okay. It, it, I, I was so... So I was at the point where I was... I would always choose watching MMA slash UFC over wrestling at a certain point. And, and something really happened when UFC went to, it started when UFC went to Fox. It really fell off. When UFC, when Spike TV was the UFC channel and they had the ability to make stars, it was incredible. And I mean, this dates back to, you know, Ortiz and Liddell and GSP and Hughes and then, you know, Silva and all of these cool characters that, that came about. They were real life pro wrestlers you know what I mean like yeah. they all had different personalities and you wanted to see certain guys matched up against other guys and it felt like every time and I mean once a month when you watched a pay-per-view it was special and then much like with wrestling you know more is more for UFC they move on to Fox they want more programming all of a sudden there's a card every week I don't want to watch it every week I want to get together with my buddies once a month and watch it and only see guys fight you know, twice a year. Not all of these dudes. Like, I want a smaller amount. So, with the Fox deal and with the oversaturation of the marketplace, I really fell out of it. Also, uh, if you've noticed, since the era of McGregor and Rousey leaving and GSP leaving, UFC depends more so on their brand than they do on individual stars. Mm. And I really think that they, they, they miss out because it's an individual star, a personality that gets you involved in, you want to see person A fight person B. Like, honestly, the fact that GSP and Conor McGregor never got into the goddamn octagon together is completely and utterly ridiculous. The most money in UFC history is being left on the table because those two were never paired together. And missing opportunities like that and the oversaturation of the marketplace has really pulled me away. So I, I can't even say I'm a fan anymore. I've really been drawn away. You, you take that, uh, the oversaturation there, and then the fact that there is at least double as much wrestling to watch every week now in order to do Sunday night's main event, it's uh, it's a lot tougher to get everything done. So UFC has fallen out of the picture for me. 
Do you think that it's uh, almost followed the WWE's playbook in the sense that it's become more about the machine than actually having the superstars that they develop and actually make you want to follow the product? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. You, you push a brand as opposed to pushing an individual. And everybody buys in a little bit less because it's just like, it's like when WWE started promoting their house shows. It's like, WWE is coming to town. Done. Full stop. As opposed to what it used to be. It's like Hulk Hogan is coming to your town. He's going to take on the one-man gang. You know, and then you're like, oh my God, Hogan's taking on the one-man gang. So it was all about the personalities first and the brand second. And that's what UFC, to me, used to be. And now it's all brand, brand, brand. Okay, one more question before we uh, have you plug anything you want, Jason. Favorite comedian of all time? I wanted to ask you that, too, before I forget. Oh, man. That's a tough question. Yeah. The first person that springs to mind, because when I perform on TV, I, when I did so on Bite TV, a lot of what I would pull in regards to the fearless performer aspect was from Will Ferrell. I, I really enjoyed his run on SNL and, and Will Ferrell, the fact that you know he can scream and insult you to your face uh, and you'll just laugh out loud at it. And he's, he's great. So without, with, with putting me on the spot and thinking of it like that, I will say uh, Will Jason, if there's anything that you would like plug that you have going on, please let us know so the fans can tune in and catch you doing that. Well, sure, guys. I mean, it's, it's a wrestling podcast, so let's talk about my wrestling radio show. It's called Sunday Night's Main Event. It's on Sunday nights on TSN Radio in Canada. You can stream it live at 11 p.m. at tsn1150.ca. But the easiest way to get it, because who listens to radio live? It's all about podcasting. <laughs> and you can do that at sundaynightsmainevent.com and follow me on Twitter or Instagram at SNME Radio. The nice thing about the show, though, if you do listen live in particular, Survivor Series coming up this weekend, is that we take calls. Uh, we're one of the few shows out there that actually takes your phone calls and you can immediately feed back to some of the garbage that you watch on television, much like Hell in a Cell, which was one of our most popular shows because everyone just called in to talk about the garbage. So that'll be happening Sunday night immediately following Survivor Series. Find us at TSN 11 uh, and you can stream it live. All right, Jason, that's going to wrap it up. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your time, man. Appreciate it a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, and we'll continue listening to uh, Sunday night's main event. All right, thanks, guys. Yo, this is number one, John Silver. I'm talking about the meat man. I'm talking about that big boy. And, of course, you know I'm talking about the raw dog. And you're listening to the Working Fan Podcast. This is the Working Fans Podcast. It's the number one fan, Dave, producer Joe. And today we got one of the best independent wrestlers in the game, Mr. John Silver. John, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. How you doing? Great, great, great. So basic question to start off with, John. What are your earliest memories of wrestling? And how'd you break in? And how did this all start? Early memories of wrestling. I'm 28 right now, so I got like Attitude Era. And, like, right before the attitude era, it was, like, my main, those are my main memories. So, like, earliest stuff I remember was, like, Shawn Michaels was on top. I think, like, my biggest memory, of like, childhood memory was the Stone Cold versus Shawn Michaels feud. That's, like, the peak of my childhood was then. Yeah, actually, I went to see uh, WrestleMania 14 in Boston. It was Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin. It was good stuff. Oh, uh, shit. Awesome. I had a kid, so, where I was in, I don't know first, second, third grade runner. There was a kid that, he was a wrestling fan, and you'd think like we'd get along with wrestling fans, but I fucking hated him <laughs> because he was a big Shawn Michaels fan, 
and I was a big Stone Cold fan. So I was like, yo, so we have this big feud. We hated each other. But eventually, like, became, like, best friends because we're like, yo, we both like wrestling. Let's just be friends then. <laughs> so, so uh, that was some of my earliest memories right there. Obviously, after that, too, I was never, but I was always, like, a big Stone Cold uh, guy growing up, Undertaker. Uh, but eventually, like, moving forward, I always had different people. I would start to, like, Jeff Hardy, down the line, then it became, like, Kurt Angle, Jericho. My early, early memories was definitely, like, that early, like, before the accident, like, started, but, like, right there. I was going to um, laugh if you told me that kid was Alex Reynolds. <laughs> no, no. Alex is a little older than me. He's a few years older than me. I met Alex when we both joined the wrestling school right around the same time. I think he started, like, maybe, like, two weeks before me. That's how I met Alex. Awesome. What school did you go to? How did you get brained? How did that break in? I started at MYWC in Long Island. And I came across it because I was on a MySpace wrestling fan page. Really a forum, basically. And I was 14 at the time. So I'm like, yeah, let's just see if there's any wrestling school in the area. So I, I put out like a post. And hey, there's no any good wrestling schools in Long Island. And someone's like, yeah, there's MYWC. It's in uh, Deer Park, Long Island. And the head trainer is Mikey Whipwreck. Huh. So I'm like, oh, shit. Let me check that out. So, I mean, we, we hit them up, we called them, and they're like, yeah, we usually train people. We start usually around, like, 16, but, like, you come down and check out the school. So I took, check, uh, went down and checked out the school. And it just so happened that they were doing, like, show the top rope that day. <laughs> so they had to <laughs> crash right up, do a backflip, machine start, stuff like that. So I was like, oh, damn, this looks awesome. So I was with my mom, and I was always an athlete, so, and I was just, at the time, was like, how much wrestling season, so I was in shape. And they're like, yeah, you're, you know, since you're like an athlete, you're a wrestler, uh, we'll just start training now if you want. So we got signed up that way. What other sports did you do? Uh, amateur wrestling, I played soccer also. Those are the main ones I played, like, like a uh, national team. Yeah. But like, I grew up on my block. I just happened to have like, maybe like eight kids around the same age. So like, we like played football, like every sport, like every day, like we just, we're always every day we're outside playing some kind of sport, so yeah. I was like just always athletic, always active, always doing stuff. But soccer, soccer and wrestling are my two sports growing up. I mean, those are both great conditioning stuff too. So. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely helps. So when you broke in, like, who were some of the people who really took care of you in the beginning? So I guess like the people that were in charge of doing stuff. Mikey obviously was a trainer who, at least like I wasn't as a kid, I wasn't a big piece of defense because I didn't know much about it, I didn't know what it was on, I know how to watch it, that's why I like, the, I know it sounded weird, but that's on the internet with like, everyone just goes on the internet for everything right now, Right. but back then, kind of like, you knew the internet, you could use the internet, but like, on my website, like, I, I don't even understand, I was, I was young, I wouldn't think you wouldn't say that, but I wouldn't like, I knew people, but like, it wasn't always on the internet, like, you have like, YouTube videos, like, YouTube was young still then, so it wasn't like, you could just find everything as easy as it was now. So, like, I watched stuff on Mikey, though, and I was, like, terrified of him, of him and he was, like, pretty, pretty intimidating, even though he's, like, he's actually, he's very nice, but he, he's also, he's very intimidating, so, yeah, I actually barely was question one. <laughs> what was the question again? Uh, who's some of the guys who took care of you? <laughs> That's all. Oh, okay, so, so I had, um, I think right off the bat, we probably, uh, Trent from W. He was there. He was there for maybe like eight months or a year until he got, he was uh, signed by WWE for a while. So he was there. He was always like super nice to me. Had my first practice match against him. And just like, I didn't, you know, 
losing, probably, you know, he messed around. He, like, had to do, like, a code red and some other stuff. Now, like, you know, 14, 15 years old. So he was always really good to me. Early on, I don't know who, maybe early on. I think a lot of people were nice to me. I think some, some people, like, were, like, but I, like, I was, like, the 10th dummy back then. So I joined, I was 110 pounds. So people tried their moves on me. So I'm trying to who, like, really looked out for me and who just, like, tried moves on me. But down the line, like people like Dan Barry, you know, looked out for me. Looked, a lot of people were really nice to me there. Some people like stopped wrestling or did other stuff. But I'm trying to get people that are still like around and available. Trent was definitely the first one. I like the older guys. So I was like, oh shit, he's like, he's being super nice. He has like his, like his uh, little brother. He's say I look just like his little brother. Uh, the main I think, it's kind of funny because like you talk to like some of like a lot of the old timers in the business and you hear how rough it was and not that it's not rough or tough now but it seems like there's a lot more people willing to help now like everybody's a lot more thankful and grateful to have people around and help them in the business it's definitely not as crazy even if, like even wrestling now from when I started from back in the day is like completely different but even from like now to when I started was completely different yeah like uh when I started, it was still like we had classes where we got our asses kicked constantly. Now you really can't you, you can't do that, and it's probably better that you don't do that. In an extent, I mean, you're still gonna like you should be like the reason they beat your ass to that so that you you know the people that were tough enough and deserve to be in the ring right. can do it. And I guess it makes sense because you got a lot of people that really don't deserve to be in the ring that are still doing this, but you can't really just beat people up. I don't know. It's a whole different like. The business just changed completely, which is, is fine. I'm not, you know, I'm not right. knocking that at all. No, I hear you. And it's a different time in life, too, now, too, than it's been in the last 10 years, too. So Different times, you know? I was going to ask you, I did my homework, actually. We were talking about YouTube. I was looking up some matches of you uh, before we did this, and I've seen you live at a few Beyond shows, too. What are some other promotions you've worked for? I'm not, I'm like, I've been like a whole bunch, obviously, but like not a consistent level. I mean, I started at MWC, so that was like my first place I was ever at. That's in Long Island. I've done uh, Chikara for a while. I was at, um, I still at CDW. Beyond Wrestling, Limitless Wrestling, Little Wild, we were at PWG. Evolved, AIW for a little while as well. Definitely was around and like, I kind of got to do a whole bunch of cool stuff. When I was younger, I used to only just do MWC. I just didn't know any better, I guess, to like move on and not move on, but like to branch out. Yeah. And also, when I was young, like when I was like, when I started, I was like 14. So 
me and Alex obviously stood out way better than everyone else. So we got used for Chikara, and we had to go down to train with them for a little bit. So that was cool, too. Uh, the beginning, yeah, I started branching out with a Evolve. And then I started to Evolve at the same time. So Evolve and Chikara, which is pretty cool. Hey John, it's Joe here. Being from Connecticut, I just started getting into indie wrestling again a few years ago. And one of the first places my buddy brought me was Beyond Wrestling. And your style really stood out because you're hard hitting, but you also have a sense of humor in the ring. I was wondering what you could tell us about Beyond Wrestling and what was that American Rana that was held at Foxwoods this year like? I guess it started out just being a place, and I remember hearing about it when I was, like, young. It's just a place that they had just tapings, so they just put it all on the YouTube, I believe. And it was just people, like, wrestlers wrestling in front of other wrestlers. And they just put that on the internet. And I was like, I didn't understand it, because I had, like, at one point I did a show, actually with John Gresham. And he was, like, pitching, you know, you should go to Beyond Wrestling. And I think we, like, said we should tag together, because, you know, we're both short, you know, muscular guys with buzzed heads. And so he's like, we look kind of alike, so let's, you should, you know, we should team together. And I just didn't understand it. I'm like, I don't know, this sounds dumb, I don't know, I don't know if that's stupid. And fast forward, eventually they started doing live shows and other stuff like that. And it just looked like a, like awesome place to wrestle. And uh, you get a lot of freedom there, you get, you know, you kind of do what you want. And the crowds there are always like a lot of fun. So it's just like a place where all different types of wrestling is welcome. Like a lot of places have like their niche vibe, I guess. They kind of, I don't even know if they have a niche vibe. They have, you know, people like Nick Gage there that are doing, like, crazy matches. They have, you know, great, fantastic technical wrestlers there. They have, you know, funny guys because of comedy, like, you know, Orange Cassidy. But they just kind of have, like, a whole bunch of stuff, and they put a lot of, like, dream matches together. And right now what they're doing is called Uncharted Territory, so they run a weekly show, just like, you know, you know, Raw, SmackDown, AEW, and it's on every Thursday. I'll be there tomorrow. I'm wrestling Daniel Garcia tomorrow, and it's on independent TV. Uh, I don't know the exact website. Independent <laughs> Wrestling TV, actually, and I will definitely be watching. I watch most every Thursday. Awesome. Those shows are awesome. They're a lot of fun, and there's always like different shit, new wrestlers to watch. So I always recommend it because even like some people I never heard of or don't know much about, and they'll show up, and I'm like, yeah, like because they have new people on all the time. Hmm. And sometimes they put on some like awesome matches, or sometimes they beyond will just put together matches that you never would be anywhere else, and they, you know, they're pretty cool to see. That Discovery Gauntlet, I thought was an interesting idea, and it's really gotten us familiar with some names that we wouldn't have previously heard about. Yeah, definitely. Bring some new people, something like I said, some of those people I've never really like, I've heard of or seen pictures of, I've never seen them work, and I'm like, oh, okay, they're actually pretty good, so it's pretty cool to see new people like that. But, uh, uh, the American Rana the Fox is pretty cool. The place is pretty, pretty huge. Uh, a lot of fans there, so it was awesome. And I wrestled with Alex, so we had a really good match to each other up. So, that's pretty fun. <laughs> that had a really good storyline going in, and that's why I like that Beyond has their TV show. Because you can line up stories to a big show like that. Like, you versus Alex Reynolds, I it's one of the matches I was more invested in, so I was looking forward to it at the show. Yeah, definitely. It's, I know it's like with, with indie wrestling, it's hard to sometimes have a storyline or have, uh, you know, feuds like look good because if you wrestle, you see a show once a month, you know, it's hard to really know what's going on. Again. Like, at least on like a tried territory, there's shows every week. And even if there's like, but I'm not there every single week, but even if I miss a week, I'll be there, you know, in two weeks. So you still 
everything's still pretty fresh in your head. Jeez, you know what's going on. You know what's funny? I, I saw that match with you and uh, Reynolds, too. And I was thinking, like, Reynolds is a great heel. But I really liked your heel work, too. But I've seen you do both. You've been a baby face and a heel. Do you have a preference to what you like to do? Yeah, it's funny because Alex is a good heel. Is a, is a really good heel. And I'm a really good baby face. But we've seen together. So there's times I got to be a heel. And there's times I'm a baby. I prefer to work as a baby. I think yeah. it's a natural baby face. I don't mind doing either. I'm definitely more of a natural baby dude. You know, it's funny. I, I would agree, but I, I want to tell you, I saw some match with you, and I, I'm blanking out. It was a live show. It was an inter-ginger match, and you did this uh, cheap shot clothesline, and you celebrated like you won the gold medal in the Olympics. And I thought that was the best thing, man. It was a great heel move, honestly. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, your intergender matches and beyond have been amazing. That's where I think I've seen some of the better heel work. Now, we interviewed Jay Freddy last week, and your name came up as someone he likes traveling with. What can you tell us about working with him in the Thick Boys tag team up in Limitless, and what can you say about Jay Freddy in general? Well, I love Jay. We get along very well, obviously, with Big Party Boys. And eventually, you know, I do, I do Limitless, and Randy came up to me. Actually, he messaged me, and she's he, like, hey, I think about you know, putting you and Jay together. What do you think? like perfect so I hit up Jay I'm like hey Jay we're gonna be the thick boys he's like absolutely perfect <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we we don't do a lot of I guess traveling together because he's an upstate guy and I'm from Long Island and it's actually I know it's like the same state but he's like pretty far away from me every, every year we go to Ocean City now uh, Ocean City Maryland to party and that's you know we get pretty crazy get pretty drunk pretty crazy stuff happens yeah, you guys fit together real good as a tag team. You really hit hard, and just the teamwork. Yeah, so, I mean, that's why it was funny for a while. I was tagging with both Alex and Jay on different shows. I think, like, personality wise, they kind of match up well. Like, Alex is a little bit more chill, and Jay is a It was really cool to see you pop up on AEW a couple weeks ago. How did that come about? Yeah, we got hit up by Young Buck, and they said, hey, you know, we want to bring you in for AEW. So I thought, awesome. Well, <laughs> we're definitely in. So it's really cool there. I actually have it on the TV as I'm talking to you guys right now. It's a really fun place to play show. It's very relaxed. Everyone's still there to work really hard, which is awesome. And we'll definitely be back. Awesome. Good thing. Nice. Yeah, it was definitely good to see you guys on there. What are your plans kind of going forward in the business? Do you have any immediate goals coming up? Immediate goals coming up. So I think my goal right now is just to be there full time, be AEW full time. And that's the main one. Once we once we accomplish that, then we'll make new goals. But me and Alex, we talked about some stuff in our future. Cause we've, had, we've had companies talk to us and hit us up. And I think we kind of both agreed that AEW might be the place to be. It's awesome, man. Is there anything that you want to promote and tell people where they can find you? The main things I want to promote, I guess, would be Uncharted Territory, Beyond Wrestling, IndependentTV.com. Is that what it was again? Yeah. Independent Wrestling TV. Oh, sorry. There you go. Go to the website, sign up, use promo code BEYOND, I believe it is, I hope. Yeah. Uh, I think it's like a week or month or something like that. I don't know. Uh, I'm really bad at promoting this. 
Yeah, you're a good follow, man. I, I follow you, and you do some stuff on Instagram. I sing. I saw you singing some opera music one day in the car. It's good stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, I do some car singing sometimes. I post some memes. I'll uh, I post for dumb pictures sometimes. Yeah, I'll post some random stuff, but check me out on there. Yeah, good luck to you in AEW, and we'll look forward to seeing you both in AEW and beyond. Have a good night, bud. Yeah. Thanks, man. Good talking to you. All right, awesome. Have a good night, Jeff. Thank you. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 